Good morning. God's kind of strength. Uh, they shall walk and not faint, from Isaiah 40, 31. Never in history have the nations of the world possessed so many lethal uh, armaments, so many ways to bring death and destruction to the human race. Some of our most brilliant minds spend their entire lives developing more sophisticated ways to destroy life, but have all of our weapons brought us lasting security? On the contrary, if anything, they have made the world less secure. At any one time, at least 30 wars rage in various parts of the world, in addition to countless instances of civil unrest. I'm reminded of the false prophets of Jeremiah's day saying, peace, peace, and there was no peace, Jeremiah 8, 11. In the midst of uncertain and threatening world, however, we can have peace. Oh, it's so wonderful that we really can have peace. It comes from putting our trust in the living God. Isaiah's words written in a time of great upheaval still speak to us today. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall walk and not faint, Isaiah 40, 31. And I am reminded additionally of where I'm studying right now, which is in the book of Revelation, and the repeated word of overcomer. Oh, we will be overcomers in Jesus. The hope for today, defeating an earthly enemy will never bring peace. Creating the most devastating weapon doesn't prove strength. People who learn to wait on the Lord will renew their strength, and they will be the ones who experience perfect peace and strength that doesn't fade regardless of world events. And in this, we will be overcomers.
from Psalm 22, verses 25 through 31. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has done this. If you'd like to join me, we can stand together and pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And please join us as we sing Holy, Holy, Holy.
1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Well, I'm glad you approve. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yep. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For, we don't love, for if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. You now join me in the responsive reading. Dear God, I'll hide your word within my heart. Call upon each day to call me when trials appear. Or trouble comes my way. I'll remember how you promised me that all things work for good, for good, that fast in my prayer, and have faith the way I should. My very life is in your hands. My heart is in tooth mold. Each part of me follows you, a story to unfold. Forgive me when I fail to love the way you want me to. Restore in me undying faith and make me more like you. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, yes. <laughs> I was surprised to get an answer on that. <laughs> <laughs> Caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for give us, giving us a sense of humor, too. It is great to love. And it is great to give back. Lord, you showed your love to us with your son. And you ask us to give back, to, to love one another, to share with one another, and to be friends and family with one another. So, Lord, we take the gifts that we give today, and we hope that they are blessed to perform the purpose that you see for them, to, to, that they, you want them to do. 
This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife reminds me, please sit down when you get up there, sweetheart, so you're comfortable. It's great to be back again, and thank you for your prayers during the loss of our second son, Bradley. And uh, we were at the mortuary at East Lawn again yesterday just to take care of some final arrangements. <clears throat> Father, thank you again. Thank you for your presence in our life at all times, good times and loss of loved ones, especially children. I've often said that the children are supposed to say goodbye to their parents, not parents say goodbye to the children. But Father, we thank you for our sons, our family, our daughter, and Lord, for the way that you continue to take care of us. So, Father, we commit this morning to you. Thank you for your word and your encouragement that we receive from you. You really help us to remain strong. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, when I think of my sermon title, I want to sing and sing a Thanks for the memories. That's the name of my sermon. Thanks for the memories. It's great to have memories. There was an older couple who had trouble day-to-day, uh, -day, common day-to-day -day things remembering. Duh. <laughs> they decided they would write down requests and try to avoid forgetting. One evening, the wife asked... Um, if the husband would like anything, and he said, yes, I'd like a large ice cream sundae with chocolate ice cream, whipped cream, and cherry on top. Well, the wife started off for the kitchen, and the husband shouted after her, aren't you going to write it down? Don't be silly, she hollered back. I'm going to fix it right now. I won't forget. She was gone for quite some time when she finally returned and put down in front of him a large plate of hash browns, eggs, bacon, and a glass of orange juice. <laughs> he took a look and he said, I knew you should have written it down. You forgot the toast. <laughs> oh. Memory is the amazing thing. The problem is... Uh, my wife and I are both 82 years old. We tend to forget, but that, that's why God gives us a mate, so they can help us remember the things that we forget. And that's always good to know. But uh, memory is an amazing thing. It allows us to recall uh, events that occur uh, moments or even years ago. It allows us to remember people who have passed already into eternity. It allows us to remember love and blessing and joy, excitement and the wonder. I want to say this again. Memory is an amazing gift from God. I, I, I know that it isn't always as perfect as it used to be. And uh, there's just so many jokes, of course, about failure in, when your memory fails. And, uh, but uh, there are times when memory can fail us, and sometimes it's because of disease or age and time all seem to affect the memory. I remember uh, events that happened years ago, and sometimes I wonder if I remember them correctly. And my wife is very kind about it. She helps me keep my memory straight when I start recalling something. There will come a day when my, our memories will fail us and uh, all together. In this passage, and I look at Philippians, the first three verses, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And Iris and I thank God for memories we have of you. We have served three churches, and they were all good churches. A rural church in northern Illinois, and then a church here up on North Swan, and now Desert Gardens. And it may be because uh, you're the most current or the most recent, but you people are very special. And our son that we just lost, Bradley, he had such a great love for you all, so much. There comes a time, unfortunately, as we get older, that our memory fails altogether. And uh, Paul, when he's writing to his friends in Philippi, he says in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And I want to say to you this morning, Iris and I thank God for all the memories and the remembrances we have of you and the kind of loving church you have been these 12 years that we have been together. As Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and you've heard me say since we've been together so long, you've heard me say several times, I'm sure, that the letter to the Philippians is my favorite. And uh, when I first came to faith in Christ, the counselor encouraged me to read the Gospel of John. And I do read that. I mean, I encourage people to read that also when they come to faith. It's, it's the easiest of the Gospels to understand. But my favorite letter, as I've said to you, is the letter to the Philippians. And here Paul is dealing with uh, memories. Um, Paul, now, that's about all he has is his memories because he's in prison. He's awaiting his execution. But he puts his uh, thoughts on paper in this letter and he reminisces on his relationship with these special people. We need to do that don't we, for each other and for people who are not here, a part of this church, but people who have been a part of our life through the years. We need to take the time, folks, to uh, express how great we are for the memories that God has given to us. I want to consider the memories that Paul does mention because his memories have much to teach us about our memories. One of the things that Paul teaches us in his letters is that we should and we must remember our uh, Christian friends. All of our friends, but especially the Christian friends who have been such an encouragement to us. Thanks for the memories. My wife and I were singing that song by uh, Bob Hope. I guess he's the one that made the song so famous because whenever he came on, he always sang a song. Thanks for the memories. We noticed that Paul had mostly positive things to say. And... Um, But there were negative things in the church, obviously. There were gossipers, there were backbiters, there were problem, people causing problems. But um, <laughs> I laugh even as I say that because people always said that if you want to get a negative reference from Pastor Jerry about somebody, uh, don't ask him. He hasn't got a negative thing to say about anybody. So if you want to get a negative 
assessment, go talk to somebody else. The only negative comment, believe it or not, that Paul makes in this whole letter is in chapter 4, verse 2, and I've got it right here. I urge Odia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony to the Lord. That was the only negative comment. He was telling them that there was a problem and he wanted them to live in unity. Everything else Paul has to say that the church at Philippi is positive. I guess that's one of the reasons it's my favorite letter that Paul wrote. Was, was the church at Philippi a perfect church? No. Is Desert Gardens a perfect church? No. I don't need to tell you that. You know that. If you didn't know it, you would suspect it anyway. I see a couple of you smiling. That's all right. Uh, I always tell people that if you're looking for a perfect church, stay away. Because once you get there, it's imperfect. And, uh, but were there people, um, were there gossips there, gossipers, I should say, and troublemakers, and were there people who said the wrong things at the wrong time, and were there people who did the wrong things, and people who had bad attitudes, and were there gossipers, and absolutely, every church has them. Every group of people has them. It's not just the church. I'm 83 years old, and I have pastored three churches. One in northern Illinois, and one up on North Swan, and uh, one out on a Spanish trail. This one. But you know what? I've discovered that in all three churches... The same people attend all of them. <laughs> we used to laugh and say there's a red-headed lady in every congregation. Always. <laughs> and as you can know, uh, being a pastor, I was fair game for a lot of people. So, But that's okay. The same kind of people attend all the churches. They just have different names and different faces. I'm sure there were people at Philippi that uh, I know. There were people at Philippi that uh, caused problems. I'm wondering why is it that Paul, because he knows, obviously, that there are imperfect people in this church, why he doesn't say something about it. But when Paul wrote to the church, he didn't want to write about the negatives. He wanted to emphasize the positives. These are people who are praying for Paul. They're sharing the gospel with other people. They were working. They're giving sacrificially. If these people were imperfect, and they were, why is there no mention of them? When Paul wrote to the church, he wrote to focus on the good things that were happening. And that's important for us to remember. He wrote to emphasize the positives among the people. It's very easy to be negative, isn't it? I don't know about your family, but um, we have some negative people in our family. And uh, if we spend any time with them on the phone, you just uh, you feel like you've been dragged through a knothole, as the expression goes. And you're exhausted when you get done with that conversation. Or if you're with those people, you get exhausted. There's no such thing. I know this doesn't surprise you. There's no such thing as a perfect church. And there's no such thing as perfect Christians. But did you know that true love 
always sees the best in other people. If you really love each other like we should, we will pray for each other. And when we see something we don't like, we don't talk about it. I won't put you down or look down on you. We shouldn't for each other. And I know that you try hard not to do that. But I don't want us to misunderstand, of course, is that um, love never turns a blind eye to sin and to wrong. But Jesus dealt with the sin in the lives of the believers and the unbelievers, and he called it what it was, what it was. The difference between us and Jesus. I should say one of the many differences between us is that he hated sin, but he loved the sinner. You know, that's how we should be. It's hard. I, I, I know. Because what happens is that their sin, their faults, their imperfections seem to stand in the way. But I am just so amazed and I get tearful when I think about the fact is that God loves us. There are times, people, when I feel so unlovable. My wife loves me when I'm unlovable. God loves us even most more perfectly when we're unlovable to others. One of the major differences, or the many differences, I should say, between us and Jesus is that he perfectly loved those, even those he was forced to rebuke. He loved the sinner, fortunately, but he hated the sin. I don't know about you, but we tend to have a problem doing that. We reacted to sin, and we tend to react in anger. I would just mention that Paul does something that is much needed in our churches today, and that is to take time to say thank you to those who have been blessing us and those people in our journey through life, I don't know about you, but I have, we have, Iris and I have some people, relatives, believe it or not, in our lives that every time we're together, we walk away lifted up. We walk away with a different attitude sometimes than we came Because we're able to see what in people's lives those good things. Paul takes the time to say thank you to those people who have been blessing him. And I say, on behalf of Iris and I, thank you to you for blessing us. And hopefully we have been a blessing to you. Paul was blessed by his association with others, and he took the time to be a blessing to other people. I close with this as we come to the table. <clears throat> Forget each kindness that you do as soon as you've done it. Forget the praise that falls to you the moment you have won it. Forget each slight, each spite, each sneer, whenever you may meet it. Remember every promise made and keep it to the letter. Remember those who lend you aid and be grateful, be a grateful debtor. Remember all the happiness that comes your way. What do you remember today? 
Thank those who have blessed you, and then please be a blessing to others. Father, as we come to this table this morning, we ask that you prepare our hearts and fill our own memories with what your Son has done for us. Father, we know that he gave it all, everything, so that we could have it all, so that we could be experienced for forgiveness. Thank you now for your word, for this time at the table. As we eat and drink together, Lord, we do so in remembrance of your blessed Son. I'm going to ask us just to take a moment of quietness. If there's anything in our life that doesn't please God, and he's the one that puts his finger on it, confess it to him before you take from the table. Lord, I ask that you might prepare our hearts and our lives. We're not perfect people. We don't come to the table as perfect people. But Lord, we come as forgiven people. Prepare us, I pray, in Christ's name, with so much thanksgiving. Amen. As we prepare our hearts, let's stand and sing together, Gent Gentle Shepherd. <clears throat> I thank God for this church so many, many times. You are, you are a very special people. Are you perfect? I don't think so. And, uh, but you're special. As we come to the table this morning, and I, and I just, I look through this Bible, it is so beat up, but I hang on to it because if I ever lost it, I'd lose all my notes that I've got in here, my underlines, my circles, all the things that have been important to me. <laughs> but we read this, for I have received, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, what a privilege it is to eat and drink together and to do it remembering what your son has done for us. 
We've read, Lord, that without the shedding of blood, there is no cleansing from sin. Lord, the bread that represents your body that went through so much and ultimately to the cross to suffer a death that no man needs to do. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Prepare my heart, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. He took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Then he took the bread also and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's eat in remembrance of him. He said, this cup is the cup And we are to drink it in remembrance of him. Let's drink in remembrance of him. Thank you, Father. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for forgiving our sins. And Lord, what I've been thinking about most this week is to praise you, praise you for the brand new life you have given to us. Because the moment we experience your forgiveness, we go on a new path, a brand new life. And we thank you for that. Father, we have a future that is so beautiful. Someday we'll get to be with you and our loved ones that we think about so often. And Lord, I I know that Iris and I are closer to the end than the beginning. And Father, we look forward to seeing you and our sons, our family. Thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen and amen. If you'd like to stand and join us in singing Amazing Grace.
Heavenly Father, we thank you. Amen. We thank you for all that you are, and we thank you for all that you've taught us. We thank you for your son, for all that you've given. And Lord, we recognize that we are, none of us are perfect. The only perfect one are you and your son. And that, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna fail. But if we try to follow your commandments and we ask for forgiveness of our sins, Lord, that you will, you have already forgiven us. So we ask as we go out that we remember your love, we remember your gifts, and that we can express our love to others in the same way. Amen. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen.